Hello, hello. Happy holidays. Welcome into Brewers Weekly. I'm Dominic Catronio. I'll be your host tonight. Quick right off the top here, if you're listening on podcast form, this is no big deal to you. For those of you listening live here tonight on WTMJ, I am pre-taped tonight. Uh, I'm actually at the Marquette game tonight working my day job, working stats with our good friend, our colleague Jeff Levering right now. So we are pre-recording tonight's episode, hence why there won't be any interaction with the text line or phone calls or things like that. So I wanted to get that out of the way right here up the top. I'll remind you throughout the program as you're listening here on WTMJ. What are we going to talk about? Because, well, let's be real. Aside from Shohei Otani happening, nothing's happened. <laughs> you know, since we last spoke, Jackson Churio's official, Joe Ross is official, and not much else. So we've heard a lot about deferred money this week. I'm going to break that down, how it refers to the Brewers, and that this isn't, this should not be considered a foreign concept to Brewers fans. I want to address a little bit about the complaints by some folks in baseball that this isn't fair, that the Dodgers did this. I completely vehemently disagree, um, but I'll explain that a little bit later on in the show. We're also going to talk a little bit about Major League Baseball free agency, what's going on, what's taking so long. And as of recording this afternoon, it doesn't look like anything is imminent, which is why I decided to say as now at 1.30 Central Time on Thursday as being a good time to start recording because it doesn't seem like anything is about to pop off. So we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on in that regard. I want to get a little more money talk in with arbitration, just kind of get your primer out there on arbitration on what's to come with that here right around the corner, a little less than a month away from the deadline for arbitration figures to be distributed. Also, I'm going to give you a little quick preview of what's dropping next week. We do have a live show next Wednesday night, and then I'm also going to have a standalone podcast, The Gains of the Year. And I've been working hard on this. I'm really excited. I'm going to give you a little appetizer of more of the games that are going to be considered in the top 10 games of the year. So this is going to be a standalone episode next week here in your podcast feed. Uh, if you have not subscribed to the podcast, I don't know what you're waiting for. If you're listening live on WTMJ, just search Brewers All Access wherever you get your podcasts, and we will pop up right there whenever we have a Brewers Weekly episode like this one or during the regular season when we have our segments in the morning, Brewers 360 every morning with Wisconsin's Morning News, you'll hear Matt Arnold, you'll hear Pat Murphy, you'll hear Adam McAlvey, you'll hear Sophia, Sophia Minner, Jeff, Lane, lots of me sometimes. All of that will pop in bite-sized form. we got some other content ideas coming at you here for the 2024 season. So all of that can be found by subscribing to the podcast feed, Brewers All Access, and making sure you stay locked in on the website. There should be a lot more content coming on the website this year, WTMJ.com. And in that regard, too, this is going to drop next week. I'm going to talk more about this during that show next Wednesday night. I've got a little fun piece of content coming. I don't want to give it totally away, but if, you know, I've had the inspiration of this on this show as a guest before, and I'm really excited. I think this is going to be a fun little tradition that I want to start doing. And Keep your eyes peeled for that right around the holidays next week, right around Christmas time. Uh, something to do with your family, something to do with uh, some of the biggest Brewers fans in your life. So keep an eye out for that. As we get the show going, let's just be real for a second here. What's left for the Brewers now? You know, because I'm clicking around. I'm reading into rumors. Now the Dodgers have already leaked that they're interested in Tyler Glass now, which... 
people think, oh, perfect. The Brewers have dodged a bullet that they don't want Corbin Burns or Willie Adamas. I, you know, never out of the woods completely until you're, you know, you can look around and see the forest. But as I look at the numbers and I look at what's happening, and we're going to talk about Otani and that money coming up in the next segment, but I look at this Brewers team right now and the projected payroll, COTS contracts, and Spot Rack do a great job with this kind of stuff. I don't see a reason. Look, I, I talked about it. I outlined it last week, and I talked about it in my article ahead of the winter meetings. I, I really don't see a reason that you, quote-unquote, need to trade Corbin Burns. I, I'm in this boat where I understand if they do it, because the return probably is going to be exponential. And the Tyler Glass now move or a Shane Bieber move will kind of set the market. I don't want to say Dylan Ceasewood because he's got an extra year as opposed to both Bieber and Glass now being free agents to be. So maybe the Brewers are kind of waiting in the wings and see what happens there. But I, I look at the opening day projected payroll right now. This includes Jackson Churio's deal. This includes projected arbitration numbers. They've got plenty of room in the budget, and they still haven't signed a first baseman yet, a bona fide first baseman, all due respect to Jake Bowers, and we'll learn more about Jake coming up in the 2024 spring training. But as of now, Jake Bowers is your first baseman, along with maybe Owen Miller, which, you know, maybe Tyler Black gets a look there. I don't know, because he was already learning, as we talked with Mike Guerrero last week, about third base. So truly, what is there left to do for the Brewers? They've made some... You know, periphery moves last couple of days. You know, we talked about Joe Ross last week. Rob Zestinstry, I've always struggled saying his name, but he's agreed to a minor league contract. Didn't mention uh, Easton McGee on a minor league contract last week. Brewer Hicklin is an outfielder. Perfect name. I'm going to spare you from the jokes on all that. He signed to a minor league contract. Also, Yanni Hernandez, a former Dodger utility infielder, minor league contract. Anoli Paredes, who is somebody who I know from the Astros organization, he signed to a minor league contract. So some periphery moves. But as I look at this team, let's assume they're bringing back Corbin Burns. You're you're, kind of set right now. Burns, Peralta, Miley, Hauser, Ray, and a mix of Gasser, a mix of maybe Jansen Junk if he sticks around, a mix of Aaron Ashby. And then come spring training time, you got to figure out what's happening at second base between Bryce Terang and Oliver Dunn. But then you got to figure out third base in the corners, which we know has been the, st- the story of the whole offseason. But maybe the Brewers roll into spring training with Andrew Monasterio and Tyler Black as a platoon at third base, and they roll with Jake Bowers and Owen Miller at first base, I don't know what that's going to look like. But aside from that, I think this team is pretty set, assuming, you know, that's assuming no trades. I'm not saying here on the program the Brewers are done making trades. We know that's not the case. Sometimes things get wacky. There's obviously... Uh, an over uh, an overabundance of outfielders right now. You got to figure out what you're going to do. As I said in last week's show, somebody's got to play Triple A outfield as well. I, I look at the team. I, I'm not mad at it. They're projected at 103 million or so with all the arbitration numbers included in there, and that's about 15 million less than last year and about 20 million less than 2022. And even yet, they spent about 150 million on the 40 man last year they're at 139 million with the 40 man this year so it's really only about 11 million dollars difference of budget right now that they have maybe room if they want to go with the same budget from a year ago 
I don't see a major reason to cut costs and to cut burn, you know, to cut burns loose and to cut Adamas loose unless you're getting a ridiculous return. I stand firm in this statement. I think the Brewers, their best chance to compete, because the Central is wide open as we know, but if they keep Corbin, if they keep Willie, I still believe, now depending on what the Cubs do, if they decide to re-sign Cody Bellinger, if they go get a top-line starter, this could change. But I still believe the Central runs through Milwaukee with the current roster. Depends on what happens with Chicago. The Reds, honestly, right now, here on December 14th, I'll, I'll make a take. The Reds scare me more than the Cardinals do. The Cardinals are good. Goldschmidt had his first human year in a while last year, and you wonder if Father Time is catching up to him. Arenado clicked in. Is Sonny Gray going to be able to repeat the strikeout performance he had in 2023 with the Twins, the number one strikeout team in baseball, to a team that struggles tremendously with getting strikeouts? That's to be concerned. The Reds, they have all of the capital in the world to trade from with their infield. They've got Ellie De La Cruz. I imagine making adjustments. I still think he's going to be a star. You've got Matt McClain. You've got Spencer Steer. You've got India to trade from. You've got uh, Encarnacion Strand. I, I really like where the Reds are positioned right now. But as I say, as I sit here, December 14th, with the current roster, with Burns and Adamas on this roster right now as we know it, I still believe the Central runs through Milwaukee. I still think they are the favorite. Real quick, before we go to break, I'm going to jump in here because that whole segment was taped before the Taylor Clark uh, trade came across the wire. I don't want to spend too much time on it, given I've only got a minute to talk about it anyway. Uh, Brewers did make a trade for two minor leaguers to the Royals in exchange for right-handed reliever Taylor Clark. As we said last week's show, every show ever, you can never have enough pitching. And just on the bird's eye view of things, this looks like a classic Brewers reclamation project of maybe there are some things in his repertoire that they feel have been underused, and they're giving up two minor leaguers that haven't been that much of consequence in the organization, Cam Devaney and Ryan Brady. So neither top 30 guys for a, you know, middle relief arm. You never know what can happen. So just wanted to mention that. I don't mention it through the rest of the show. So the Brewers made a small trade, and maybe we'll talk more about it next week. So... As far as what's left, not much. It's the corners still. The bullpen is set, it seems. The starting rotation is set, it seems, depending, as we said, with trades. Let's talk a little money now. Let's talk about what's going on with Shohei Otani. Let's how it relates to the Brewers. That's coming up next. Again, this is a pre-recorded show, so no text, no calls tonight. But thanks for tuning in here on your home of the Brewers, WTMJ. Welcome back. Dom Catronio with you. We all reacted the same way when we saw $700 million for 10 years for Shohei Otani. I was at Target doing some holiday shopping, and my girlfriend was with me at the time, and she's already annoyed me that I'm on Twitter a lot these days because waiting for trades, waiting for signings, waiting for things to happen. This was right after the winter meetings, too. So I'm on Twitter. All of a sudden, my phone starts blowing up, and I see the Jeff Passan tweet. And uh, if you can, if I can paint a picture for you here on the radio, here on the podcast, just a mat, you know, that meme of like, I think it was from X Factor of the guy clapping and then like slowly gets more and more impressed and their mouth is agape and they're like, oh, like, whoa, like that was my face in the checkout line at Target reading Shohei Otani's $700 million. I'm going to just do it as simple as possible here real quick, the deferred money, why it works the way it works and why this is, I'm okay with it. 
$700 million is not actually what he's going to get paid. You may have read about him deferring the money. So he's only going to get paid $2 million per year from the team in his salary for the 10 years of the contract. Then the 12 years after, he's going to be paid $68 million per year. Yes and no. He's actually getting paid what is considered in today's money, $460 million is the hit on the competitive balance tax, meaning what the tax is adjusting for is the value of the dollar in 10 years, okay? So yes, $680 million of it is deferred, but the calculation that the Players Union and the CBA and this negotiation has come to uh, agree upon is that the value of the dollar, $680 million in today's money, is actually going to be more like you know $460 million. So that's what he's getting taxed right now. No, it's not $2 million. No, it's not, oh my goodness, they've created all this salary cap space for the Dodgers. No. So he is still in the eyes of the competitive balance tax, baseball's unofficial salary cap. He is getting paid $46 million this year, even though in actuality, he's getting paid $2 million because of the deferred money. So it's still the richest contract in baseball history. Don't get me wrong. It's not the richest contract in the world anymore like we initially thought. So a lot of money deferred, and now there may be favorites along with the Yankees to land Yoshinobu Yamamoto, who's maybe the best foreign arm since you Darvish, uh, I guess, and you have to consider Otani in that too, but that's how they're going to be flexible. Reminder, Mookie Betts' money is deferred as well. Mookie Betts has got like $100 million coming to him after his deal is done too. And they're basically betting on they're going to win the World Series at least once in the next five years during the Freddie Freeman contract. Then they'll pivot and reconsider because what this also does is, you know, they got Will Smith coming up the line here of trying to figure out are they going to be able to keep Will Smith as their franchise catcher of the future? Are they going to, you know... He's only a rookie this past year, but James Altman turned out to be great. And they got Bobby Miller. They've got a lot of studs that they think about they're going to have to pay in the future during the life of this Shohei Otani deal. With people complaining about the money and the deferment and things like that, it's literally written in the CBA that the players locked were locked out by the owners two years ago. This is in the CBA. It is available to all 30 teams. And people are mad that the Dodgers are the first ones to exercise it in a stronger sense than we're used to. And furthermore, you know, we make fun of the Mets every year for the Bobby Bonilla deal because there's interest on that deal, which is why he's still getting paid to this day. Modern day deferments do not have interest attached to them anymore. That was a couple CBAs ago. So it's... Dollars and cents wise, pretty smart thing to do. People are mad because it's a big market team like the Dodgers who have the Guggenheim money behind them that can say, well, they can spend whatever they want. You're not wrong. You can be frustrated about that. Life isn't fair. That's okay. But also, the Brewers do it too. The Brewers still have deferred money out to a couple of their stars. In fact, Christian Yelich is the great example. His $188 million extension that he signed for seven years, $28 million of that is deferred. So once he's done playing, it becomes for 12 years about a $2.5 million payment for 12 straight years starting in 2031. Now, it's not $68 million, but it's deferred money. It's $28 million coming up down the road to make it a more chunks, a little more easy to, uh, to pay for a smaller market team like the Brewers. Know who's still getting paid by the Brewers? 
Ryan Braun. Ryan Braun took deferred money as well. He took $18 million of his contract deferred, that five-year deal, $100 million deal at the time, uh, richest in Brewers history. So he's going to get paid $1.8 annually starting last year for 10 years. There's deferred money. Lorenzo Cain is getting deferred money, a much smaller amount, though. He deferred $5 million, so he's getting a million per year starting this year. Uh, so he's been getting that deferred money. As well, uh, Matt Garza was somebody the Brewers used to pay deferred money to. That capped in 2022. So it's not as rare as you think. And maybe the Shohei Otani deal opens the floodgates and a lot more teams are going to start using deferred money for their big free agents. It makes sense for a team like the Brewers to you know, still give a big lump sum. $26 million is the annual, you would think, for Christian Yelich, when you just do the simple math, right, $188 million over seven years is $26.9 million per year on the average annual value. But by deferring the money instead, they're paying him $22 million for saving nearly $5 million per year in order to use that $5 million elsewhere in the organization on a year-to-year basis. And then there's the buyout later, and that's all coming in his age 37 season in another six seasons. So we still got a ways to go when we get to that point. But I just wanted to kind of peel back the curtain. The people that are outraged, I think I think your outrage is in the wrong spot. I don't think that this is a bad thing for baseball. If it means that a player like Shohei Otani had the long-term vision to say, you know what, I need to make sure this team's able to afford stars around me, unlike they were able to do in Anaheim. By the way, Jeff Fletcher had the great tweets this week. He covers the Angels for the Orange County Register. In games with both Otani and Trout, the Angels were an under 500 team. So I think Shohei's learning his lesson like, okay, we can't have the two highest paid players in baseball, Betts and Otani, actually making that money. And now you throw in Freeman in that mix and it gets a little more complicated. So, you know, cash rules everything around me, as Wu-Tang Clan said. That's, that's pretty simple economics to me. I think it makes perfect, perfect sense. A reminder, this is a taped episode of Brewers Weekly. If you're on the podcast form, no big deal. If you're listening live here on WTMJ, sorry. I'm over at Marquette right now working my day job, working stats with Jeff Levering. So we're going to take another quick breather here. We're going to talk a little bit about the Major League uh, picture of free agency. What's there still to figure out? Who's still on the board? Quicker segment coming up next right here on WTMJ. Free agency time. Now that Shohei Otani is off the books... You would think this is going to open things up. You would hope, anyway. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Dominic Catronio. Taped version of Brewers Weekly this week here on WTMJ and on the podcast, Brewers All Access. Happy holidays to everybody, wherever you may be listening or traveling to. With Otani off the board, what happens next? What's the next best free agent that maybe will open things up for other guys to come off the board? You may think it's a pitcher. You may think it's going to be a Jordan Montgomery or a Blake Snell. In my opinion, it's going to be Cody Bellinger because teams are going to be bullish on whether or not they're going to sign that lefty first Montgomery or Snell. Do you want that five and dive, six and dive type guy with Blake Snell? The walks are an issue. Obviously, maybe he needs to be in a pitcher's park. Montgomery seems to uh, have shaken his slow uh, development in the Yankees organization. Now he's bounced around to the Cardinals and to the Rangers the last couple of years. Really got himself paid during the postseason as well. I don't think either one of those guys goes next. I think Cody Bellinger's next. And here's the reason why I think that. Think that. He's actually the youngest free agent available right now 
And yes, he's younger than Shohei Otani. He's 28 years old. And it feels like Cody's been around forever because he, he kind of has been. He jumped on the scene so quickly with the uh, with the Dodgers in that epic 2017 season when they lost to the Astros and then, you know, MVP, the Yelly Belly years in, in 19. And really, really incredible player. I talked about him this time last season that I was projecting Cody to have a bounce back year, not just because I know him, shout out to Chandler, Arizona, but I, I just think that it was time for a change of scenery for him. And as I mentioned in the first segment, I still believe that the Brewers run the Central. That could change if the Cubs re-sign Bellinger. And in my opinion, that should be the top of their list. Because I know they got Pete Crow Armstrong, and they really like this kid. He did not have a hit in his cup of coffee in the big leagues last year. You figure he's going to get it right in the right direction at some point, maybe ease him in a little bit next season. But what Bellinger can do, giving you gold glove caliber defense at both first base and center field, and what it can do is, yes, he's young and he can still play center field, but what you can do is when PCA is ready, you move Belly to first base and it's no big deal. And if PCA isn't ready, you move Bellinger back to center field. They already missed out on Jamer Candelario. He's now a Red, which I think is a very, very savvy move by the Reds. I really like that fit there. But for Bellinger, if he leaves the Cubs, you know, the Giants have been tied in. It sounds like obviously now the Yankees are out since Juan Soto was traded. And Juan Soto is going to spend his final year of guaranteed control with the Yankees. Now, that's a scary offensive lineup, not really a scary defensive lineup with Judge, uh, then Stanton, where is he going to play? Grisham is probably going to be a fourth outfielder in that picture. But anyway, I digress. Bellinger is the most attractive position player, to say the least, in free agency, and it's not a very good year for bats on free agency. Uh, You look at if you want another power bat per se, you look at Reese Hoskins, but then there's the question of is he healthy coming off his ACL? You look at Teoscar Hernandez after a great year with the, with the Mariners. They made it clear they're not going to re-sign him. In fact, they didn't even give him the qualifying offer. So he's an unrestricted free agent. He can go wherever he wants. 26 home runs a season ago in Seattle. Jorge Soler is a DH bona fide. Now, you might overpay because he's one of the only... DH bats, and then that finally leads me to J.D. Martinez, another great DH bat. But again, father time is an issue there. Are you going to pay $12 million for a DH only in his age 36 season? Somebody will. Apparently, the Diamondbacks have been linked to him for a reunion. But it all comes back to Cody Bellinger. I don't think any of those DHs get signed until Bellinger is off the board. Because Bellinger could be making upwards of $150 to $200 million. And... I don't think he's going to set the market per se because there aren't really any other center fielders of his caliber, but of guys of his caliber, you know, four to five war player every year, meaning, you know, wins above replacement. He's worth four wins or so every year. That's an extremely valuable talent. There are not many guys position wise available like that. Matt Chapman's on the fringe, but he's had a weird last couple of years in Toronto since the trade from Oakland. The hip thing is certainly an issue with him. I don't think he's going to get paid as much as you think he's going to get paid. But again, if the if the Cubs miss out on Bellinger, they may have to get themselves Matt Chapman. Now, what do you do with Christopher Morell in that situation? Who knows? Now, you may notice I haven't mentioned any of these names being connected to the Brewers because as I said in the first segment, I think the Brewers are kind of set right now. And it's if there's going to be a free agent I think they look at, I think you got to kick the tires on Reese Hoskins. 
Maybe he wants a multi-year deal, not a one-year prove-it deal, which would make more sense for the Brewers while they wait on some of their draft picks to arrive. Or Brandon Belt. Now, do you want another left-handed bat in this lineup? Because they are very left-handed right now. He might be getting a little more than you would be comfortable with. But free agency should start popping off here. We've seen crazy deals go down the week of Christmas, day before, you know, Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve, Eve. It's... It's getting ready to go. I I really do think so. And I think we're also going to see a lot of movement in the first week of January, right before arbitration numbers are due. And I'll explain why. I'll give you a firm date coming up next. This is Brewers Weekly, taped this week, right here in your home of the Brewers, WTMJ. Welcome back. I'm Dominic Catronio. Thanks for making us a part of your Thursday night or maybe Friday morning if you're listening to this on the podcast feed. You can follow me on Twitter at Dom, D-O-M underscore C-O-T-R-O-N-E-O, Cot, Ron, E-O, Catronio, hopefully Dom underscore C-O-T, and I start popping up on your suggested follows. But I digress. Let's talk a little arbitration, shall we? This is a hot topic from a year ago with everything that went down with Corbin Burns, but let me give you the refresher of what arbitration is. Once you reach Three years of service time, a.k.a. three years as a big leaguer on a big league roster. You have accrued enough to have a say in your salary. And you and your agency present your number to the Brewers. The Brewers present their number to you. Maybe you agree and you say, you know what? We're right right on it. We both agree I should get paid $2 million. Set me up for $2 million in my first year of arbitration. And you will be set up for a raise every year that they choose to tender you, which... We just learned a couple weeks ago, the non-tenders, of course, Brandon Woodruff and Rowdy Telez. Also, congrats to Rowdy signing with the Pirates, back on a big league deal. Wish him all the best. One of my favorite guys in the clubhouse to interact with the last couple of seasons. Anyway, that's what happens with arbitration. Now, let's say you disagree, as we saw last year with Corbin Burns. We come in, hey, I think I'm worth $3 million. The Brewers come in and say, you know what? We think you're worth $2 million. Well, let's meet in the middle, shall we? How about 2.5? And the Brewers are like, mm, no, don't feel like meeting in the middle. Let's go ahead and say and file for arbitration. Both sides prevent their cases, present their cases like why I'm worth $3 million, why the Brewers think I'm worth $2 million. This is any team. Everyone does it. This is the business of baseball, the dollars and cents, the ugly stuff with Corbin Burns' dispute with arbitration a season ago. All that happens, an independent arbitrator slams the gavel and says, I side with blank. And that's arbitration. And you get to do that for your last three years of your contract before you become a free agent in year six as uh, year six of service time. Then you're free to sign with whoever you want as an unrestricted free agent. The deadline to exchange those figures. Now, this isn't when the court hearing happens. The, the deadline to say we have settled on arbitration or we are going to arbitration is January 12th. For those initial figures, they get locked in. Okay, Like I said, that, that $2 million versus $3 million example. If we're going to arbitration, that is the number that is locked in. That will be filed in a couple of weeks as both camps will organize their data and say this is why they are worth this much money. The reason why I think free agency is going to start moving right after Christmas leading up to the arbitration deadline is teams' budgets are becoming finalized. You know, they've had this projected out for their arbitration for a while now. They understand what they're going to offer, what they're hoping to be offered, things like that. And then you can understand, okay, we have exactly this much money to play with to sign for a free agent. And I think you want to get that done before arbitration just for the sake of, okay, 
arbitration, if they do need to cut a guy by a million dollars and they want to fight that, they have a reason to because they just signed a free agent. I could be completely wrong on that. I've been wrong on things before, but that's just my gut feeling when it comes to that. And as I said earlier in the program, the Brewers, money-wise, are in pretty good shape with Corbin Burns and Willie Adams having non-tendered Brandon Woodruff and Rowdy Telez and Eric Lauer. I mean, that's roughly $21 million saved right there on guys that aren't going to be part of your team this season. Now they spent $10 million of it on Jackson Churio and his incredible uh, pre-debut deal. But also, remember, they traded Abraham Toro to the A, so that's another million dollars off the books there as well. When I look at arbitration, what the projected numbers are, uh, there's a lot of models out there. The best one that I found that's really good is from MLB Trade Rumors. Uh, they've been doing it for years, and it's all from a a model of one of their writers who's done, you know, a statistician who's a front office guy, does a very, very good job. So I uh, wanted to give credit where this is all can be found on MLBTradeRumors.com. I read the site as much as I can. Uh, I, I read as much about fan graphs and their value and what goes into all of that as well. But this is uh, one of the, the uh, better resources out there. When it comes to what the Brewers owe their highest paid players, you know, Corbin Burns and Willie Adamas, they're projecting for Corbin $15 million and for Willie $12.4 million. It could be above that. It could be less than that. But those are going to be the only players, aside from Christian Yelich, of course, and Jackson Shuria, who have signed extensions that are going to be making double-digit million dollars this season. Adrian Hauser projected at 5.6. Remember, in his first year of arbitration, he took the Brewers to arbitration and lost that case. That was in spring training of 2022. It was delayed because of the lockout. You look at Hobie Milner, they're probably going to settle with him. Devin Williams, probably going to settle with him. Tyrone Taylor, Bryce Wilson, Yoel Piops. All of these guys are eligible for an increase in their pay. And quite frankly, the Brewers have every reason to do it. Now, that doesn't mean the Brewers are shrewd if they take certain guys to arbitration, that's how the business works. It, it's it, it's messy. It's ugly sometimes. You just go back and read the quotes last year from Corbin Burns, and you'll understand how everyone feels about arbitration. But it's one of the few chances you get in your baseball career to have a say in something as important as your pay. So. I'm all for the players fighting for every dollar they can get. I also allow the teams to, you know, they come up with their money. They come up with their reasons for it. Are they all reasons that you and I can get behind and be like, are you serious? You're arguing over $740,000 like last year with Corbin Burns? I don't think it boils down to something that simple. But that's on the horizon. And I think the Brewers are on a very good spot when it comes to arbitration conversations and what's to come. Again, January 12th, a little less than a month from today, is when those numbers are due. And you may see settlements before that as well when it comes to some of the Brewers guys that are eligible for arbitration. All right, quick little money episode today. Let's lighten, lighten the mood. I want to talk a little bit about some of the games of the year. I'm going to play a few highlights. See if you can remember some of these games coming up next on uh, what will be a standalone episode next week of the top 10 games of the 2023 season for the Brewers right here on WTMJ. Welcome back. Dominic Catronia with you. Pre-recorded episode of Brewers Weekly here on Thursday, December 14th. A reminder, as of recording, nothing crazy has popped off. And I'm at a Marquette game right now. So working my day job, or night job, I guess, at this point. But rare scheduling conflict that I got to do this show recorded. But I digress. This is going to drop next week. And it's a lot more detailed than what you're going to hear here. But I just picked 
very arbitrarily. If you want to get mad at me, get mad at me. But I picked the 10 best games of the year, in my opinion. I'll spoil it. They're all wins. So, no, I'm not putting the near 10-inning no-hitter against the Yankees on there. No, I'm not putting any losses on there. I just went with all wins. Don't all have to be at home either. So majority of them are certainly at home because those are the best memories. But uh, I've got a list of the 10 games of the year. It's going to drop as a standalone episode next week as part of our Christmas time coverage here on WTMJ for the Brewers and the season that was in the year in review, if you will. But I just want to play a few highlights here. These are some of the highlights that are in the top 10. And if you can start remembering these games and where you think they would slot in your top 10. So enjoy. And then we'll take our last break after this and uh, enjoy uh, some of the games of the year of 2023. And the pitch. pitch. Swing and a miss. He struck him out. Caleb Bosley, what a debut. New sign and tongue can run it. Freelick base hit to left. Here comes the tie run. And Sal Freelick is having a storybook night tonight. You cannot write it any better than he just did. Case first pitch to him, a fly ball out to center field. Back on it is Bellinger. It's over his head. One hops the wall. Yelich is in. Miller is in. Toppy around third. He slides in there safely. Jemai Jones, welcome to the crew. The stretch, the pitch. Bouncer hit to third and pass. Boom. Two runs are going to score. Maybe three. The throw coming home. Just a few of the memories, not going to spoil the top 10 yet. We'll have some honorable mentions in there. Thanks to everybody who responded to the tweet. But this was mostly a labor of love. Uh, If you remember from my Locked On Brewers days, I would do a top 20 with Vinny Rotino. We're just going to do 10. And we got some audio to play with it as well. So really looking forward to hearing from Bob, from Jeff, from Lane, from Josh. Uh, even a little bit of TV, a little bit of Brian, a little bit of rock in there as well. So this was a labor of love. Hope you guys enjoy it coming up next week for your holiday travels. And uh, you can uh, debate the top 10 as you wish. So we'll have plenty to react to that heading into Christmas time as well. All right, let's get ready to say goodbye here on a taped edition of Brewers Weekly. All right, I got a little less than two minutes to go here on the show. Thanks to everybody who listened. Thanks for uh Sticking around here on WTMJ, or if you listen on the podcast form as well, much appreciated. Next week's show will be on Wednesday night, a live traditional show from the studio. Again, next Wednesday night, usual time, 8 o'clock right here on WTMJ, or in your podcast feeds as well. Then I will have the full Games of the Year episode to drop the next day as well. 
on Thursday. And then, uh, of course, it is Christmas next weekend, which is uh, shocking to think about. And I've got another little piece of content to drop as well next weekend that I think Brewers fans are certainly going to enjoy. Then we got another one lined up for the 28th. Uh, and as we get closer to the new year and we get into the first couple weeks of the new year, I want to remind Brewers fans to make sure to get your tickets to the Brewers winter warm-up that'll be at the Miller High Life Theater. You may see yours truly out and about. Uh, a few players have already been committed to the list. I'm sure there'll be more added to it as well. It'll be on the 13th. January 13th is the Saturday for all the fans to hang out. And I saw the kids clinic on Sunday has already sold out. So should be a very fun time. It's our own version of the Fan Fest uh, of uh, Brewers on Deck, if you will. Uh, obviously, the Wisconsin Center still going under some renovation, so maybe another year to be back there. But keep an eye out for that. Make plans to hopefully see you guys at the winter warm-up as well. That's going to do it for me this evening. And uh, thanks again for listening. Follow me on Twitter at Dom underscore Catronio. My thanks to our producer, Matt Sossler, in the studio. We'll see you next time. Until then. Keep on swinging.